everyone, and welcome back to Centered, Committed, Confident. I'm Cody Rogers. And I'm Regan Erickson. And I'm Hannah Erickson. And we are three friends who <laughs> we are three friends who want to help you center your life on Christ, commit yourself to discipleship and become more confident in the word of God. Today today things are a little goofy. Uh, we're we're recording this uh hours before I'm about to head down for rehearsal for Lyft, which is our student conference. And uh, Silas is in the room. We could, we need to get Silas's own microphone we and, really do. and have him just introduce himself, you know. <laughs> a little so spotlight cute. spot. We'll get there. Silas, Sci Guy, you're gonna have you're gonna have one someday. He's smiling, he likes yeah, he's the idea. Happy about yep. that. So you might hear him in the back. Well, you probably you will hear him in the background at some point. Just that's gonna happen. Uh okay, we should probably just dive into the episode. Yeah. We've been on a, a good rhythm as of late, um, where we are at in the New City Catechism. Always reminder, you can download the app. You can also purchase the book uh physically on like Amazon and stuff, but app is the easiest way to go through it. And we are currently in question seven of the New City Catechism. Also, we're flying, guys. uh, Question seven. (laughs) Seven out of 52. Uh, Also, aside, if you are wondering, like, why a catechism, you can actually go back and listen to the last episode on question six, how to glorify God part two. We actually talk again about why we're going through a catechism. So make sure to check that out if you're sort of curious as to why we're doing this. But let's dive into the content today. The question... Uh, Question number seven is, what does the law of God require? Now, we've been answering this. uh, We've been answering each one of these questions in three different segments. The first one is, how would the world answer this? I'll add some clarity to that. Um, How would, when we say the world, what we really mean is, how would other people who are not using Scripture as their first and foremost priority of how to answer things about God, uh, how would they answer it? So how would uninformed Christians answer it, sex, uh, cults, um, atheists, like the whole gamut there. How would they answer the question, what does the law of God require? Who wants to go first? I think some people would say that it requires you to like strictly adhere to something that's impossible or something that's oppressive. Like it's only viewed in a negative sense. And for you to um, adhere to it, um, it like requires a type of morality that's maybe impossible or that impedes on the life of other people. What does the law of God require? Something really difficult Mm -hmm. that is really hard to do. They'd say it requires something impossible and Mm -hmm. so it's not worth it or it irritates me or Mm -hmm. is that what you're getting at? Yeah. Also, what does the law of God require? Boring things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, even informed Christians will. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, we will at times in our flesh say those things with our actions. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, okay. What else? I think on the other side of the spectrum that there are some people who'd say that it is no longer necessary, that there is nothing you need to follow in the law. Or maybe if they would attribute something, say love and just kind of have this ambiguous term of loving the world. I didn't think about that. So nothing. What does yeah. the law of God require? Nothing. Nothing. Or that you love everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I was listening um, to someone on Instagram or whatever that I follow. And when I think about like, what does the law require? I think that someone like her would say, just being a nice person. I like, could just 
general goodness, however you define that. Mm -hmm. And someone had asked her, she was a Christian and she was like, oh yeah, I've given my life to Jesus. Like I follow him. And they're like, well, like, what do you think about sex outside of marriage? Cause she lives with her boyfriend and she's like, oh, my name is in the Lamb's book of life. And so now I can kind of do whatever I want. What's he going to do? Wipe me out. You know? And so she like claimed to be one thing. Um, but then when it came to actually like the law, like what God requires of us, it was just this, oh, I'm a good person. I prayed a prayer once. And so now I can do what I want because I believe that Jesus, you know, is real and I'm going to heaven. I just, oh man, (laughs) I just think like the apostle Paul in Romans, like, shall we keep on sinning so that grace (laughs) may abound? Yeah. By no means. Yeah. You know, oh, okay. Yeah. That's good. I guess I didn't even think about when I was going through this question in my brain earlier, I didn't even think about the idea that people would be like, it doesn't require anything, mm-hmm. but this, I guess I was thinking through some of the trauma in my background of like, it requires everything, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. the law of God requires you to be perfect and yeah. it requires that you don't drink and it requires that you go to church every single Sunday. Otherwise it is a sin against the Lord. And it requires that you talk in this way and don't say these mm-hmm. certain words and of course, there are basis. There's a basis for all the things I just said, but I'm talking about legalism, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. What does the law of God require that I be legalistic yeah. about all of this? And and to be fair, like and especially in like our church environment, where that we're we are more geared towards that side of of things, legalism stuff like that, because we're it's a little bit more on the reform side of things, which tends to be a little bit more legalistic. Yeah, I mean, we are very much more of like open the word. It says this, we're going to try to follow it and understand it as much as we can. Mm -hmm. Um, the written, you know, oftentimes father, son and holy book is, is, (laughs) is tend to be what we lean towards. Um, yeah, that's good. But I hadn't even considered the idea that most of the world would just say like nothing, 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 Mm -hmm. whether it's because they believe they're already loved by God or Mm -hmm. that Jesus changed the rules, Mm -hmm. even though, even though Jesus says, I came to fulfill the law, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and not any of it will be blotted out. Um, mm-hmm. So they they would say that, or they would say nothing because they don't believe God exists, and mm-hmm. there is no law, there is no order, there is no, I guess, set morality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or an idea of, like, whatever I want to give is what it requires. Like, I get to set the guidelines for what parts of the Bible I'm obedient to and what parts I'm not. Like that's a huge thing in our culture right now is just getting to pick and choose scripture and pick and choose, um, yeah, the law of the Lord and you live however you want. And then you say that this is what God has for you. And in reality, I, the way I view it is that they're not, they might say it's to love God or, or, you know, to love others, but really all they're saying is the law of God requires that I mentally assent that he exists mm-hmm. and that, yeah, and then I can, good. I can do whatever the law of God requires that I say, I believe, but that doesn't go, you know, 11 inches down from my brain to my heart. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. All right. Anything else to add to that? Um, maybe to take it outside of more of like the Christian sphere of things. Like if you're thinking about an atheist, the way I think that they would answer is they would have a different definition of law and be like scientific knowledge. And, the law requires knowing more about the world around you to understand it better or something along those lines. Right. If they have a God, that's not the God that we know, uh-huh. that's mm-hmm. not the creator God, the yeah. God of the universe. It would be, you know, what does the law of science require that we, you know, 
the scientific method yeah, is the law sure. of God. It's like the word. Yeah. yeah. What is observable, what is repeatable, yep. those things, that is the law of God. It requires that we do those things and we value those things. Yeah, for sure. Um, or on that, I don't want to classify people that are scientifically minded as this. I'd say um, a lot of times the people I'm about to talk to claim being scientifically minded, but um, I'd say they require that the law, the law of God be that you find and live out your truth. Right. It, so this idea that like the law of God requires that I be the best me that I can or mm. be true to myself. And, and that's really what it's all about. Loving yourself. Yeah. You know, um, finding out what, what gender you are, finding out what sexual orientation you are and allowing other people to do the same. It goes deeper than just like love one another. It's, yeah. it's this idea of like find true meaning that self-discovery, yeah, yeah. self-discovery, self-love more than love one another. Yeah. That's the, the way I, that's the yeah. law of God to them. And like I said, I don't want to put them in the same category as scientifically minded, even though politically they often tend to go mm -hmm. to the same side. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, which <laughs> still just yeah. makes no sense either, but we're not going to get into politics here too much. <laughs> I'm just thinking through like camps people love to, to find themselves yeah. in. Um, all right. I think it's a good little brief overview. I'm sure we insulted somebody in that. So that's good. Yeah. We still um, love you. Sorry if we did. <laughs> well, yes, we do love you and we repent of anything we said that isn't true. Yeah. But if it's true, but if it's true, we do not repent of it. All right. Time for an awkward transition into the next one. I feel I like it. that's the first podcast episode we've had where I felt like I made an awkward transition to the next one. But it wouldn't have been awkward if you wouldn't have said yeah. that it was awkward. You're, you're you kind of yeah. called it out. You're welcome, guys. <laughs> Seven episodes into the New City Catechism, and I finally gave you. No, eight episodes. Whatever. Well, I, well I gave we you. noticed it. We'll yeah. see if the listeners, if they're like, oh, well, this is actually the seventh one out of seven yeah. episodes. You guys can't see the awkward eye contact I made with <laughs> The awkward eye contact I made with them as I was like grabbing my phone and be like, okay, let's go into this question. Oh, Lord. Um, let's get into the, the second little section of our episode. Um, what does the law of God require? Let's. Uh, I'll read what the Catechism says. Regional read what the Scripture says. So what does the law of God require? Personal, perfect, and perpetual obedience. I like the alliteration there. Personal, perfect, and perpetual obedience that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. What God forbids should never be done, and what God commands should always be done. They're pulling this from Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. It says, And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. It's a beautiful passage. It's taken it from. Um, mm -hmm. If you're if you're unfamiliar with that passage, somebody asked Jesus to talk about the greatest commandment, right? If I think I'm right, yeah, it was intended to be a trap yeah. on Jesus, and he masterfully, poetically, mm -hmm. oh yeah, just consolidated the law and everything it was into these few short sentences. I mean, just showing not only like as a man the complete masterful handling of scripture that he had, but also as the author of it, the, yeah. the, the one who has the most intimate knowledge. Mm -hmm. Like if somebody's going to write a thesis statement, Jesus definitely could write the thesis statement. Yeah. And as a, as a little tangent, like, isn't it, we, even we as a culture, we give credit to the author for something, right? Like, like 
J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter. Like if she comes out and says something is about Harry Potter, like it's automatically true because it's her brain and her canon. You know, like it's with it's within that. And how much more is it with Jesus, you know, God, author of scripture saying this is what it is. You know, like you got to give credence to it. Yeah. You got to give authority over to it. The author has the, the utmost authority over what has been said. But anyway, okay. So we got a lot to to cover in this little sentence here. The The children's version, actually, uh, this surprised me because the children's version is so much shorter. It's just that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. So when I first opened up the quote-unquote adult version, <laughs> I was like, wow, there's a lot. Uh, th- this is a lot. You yeah. Know, they, they packed in many more implications. Mm-hmm. So let's break down that first sentence. Personal, perfect, and perpetual obedience. So they're saying the law of God requires personal obedience, perfect obedience, and perpetual obedience. Ooh, that was a water bottle. Ooh, hitting that was awkward. Good job, Better. Hannah. <laughs> We're all blaming Hannah. It was her, so everybody knows. All right. So why is that? I mean, that's a rough sentence for me. What, yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, this this question I I find um, a little uncomfortable on on its own when you when you get to an answer like this because it speaks of some it it, it can come across to me when I read it, it it feels very like legalistic minded at times talking about like this perfect obedience mm. or cold uh, cold mm-hmm. yeah especially at least in my life, that's one of the things I struggle with is being legalistic. So I'm constantly trying to fight that. Also the millennial in me is like, don't tell me what to do, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't tell me that I have to be this, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so like, I mean, this question is kind of an example, just hopefully not too long, but a little bit of another side as, as to what I've struggled with, with catechisms, stuff like this, as you come, if you came to this question in isolation you could really take somebody the wrong direction. You could really come to the wrong conclusion of scripture. Um, kind of like what we talked about with how the world answered it. But I think in light of the context of scripture, this, this is a beautiful answer. Yeah. And I, and I think to add to that, that it's also troubling because as you read it, you know that it is possible for someone to read this, to not have a relationship with God and to try to do these things in order to act like they have a relationship with God. You know, it's Mm -hmm. those people that think that they're Christians, think that they're saved because they choose to act a certain way, but they aren't because, as we'll get into it, like they don't actually love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Rather, they think that in order to love God, it's not those things, but it's personal, perfect, and perpetual obedience. And that's all that they actually value is personal obedience to God, perfect obedience right like that yeah. is a lofty requirement yeah because i say even on the on the flip side of what you're just saying for those of us who, who have a relationship with the lord and are convicted to to do this you read that sentence and i'm like i've i've failed in every one of those accounts and i multiple love times yeah and i love that they put this in here i mean when you read the scripture it just is love the lord your god with all your heart soul and mind love your neighbor as yourself right mm-hmm. like uh-huh. that's the scripture but i love that they put personal, perfect, and perpetual obedience. Too. Because what they're doing is they're setting up, they're setting you up for this idea coming along down the line in a few questions that we can't possibly do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know that what the what does the law of God require? Something you can't actually do. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's beautiful. It it like makes 
the goal obvious and we will begin, these questions will begin answering and setting up the idea that that man uh, shall fall short of the glory of God and, mm-hmm. and not accomplish what what the task is at hand. Yeah. So I think that's why that's there, personal, perfect, and perpetual obedience. If you're reading this along with us, don't let that freak you out, right? Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it's, it's okay. We cannot do this alone apart from Christ. Um, and in Christ, we can, right? In yep. Christ, we have the power, and someday we will be made perfect and righteous and holy uh, and rule and reign with Christ. But I'm going to get ahead of myself. So the obedience part, and then that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's stop there. That's the summary of the first few commandments I'll put together out of the Ten Commandments, right? The law of God Mm -hmm. is that we would love God. Why these four things? How are they different from each other? How are they similar? I think they're trying to encompass the idea of complete completeness of like you, like there's no part of you that you shouldn't love the Lord with like strength. It makes me think of like, you know, your physical, you know, going out and fixing something or carrying something around, do that in love for the Lord. Then you also go to your heart and that's like taking your emotions to the Lord um, in love, stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's good too. And I like that you said that because it's not, like scripture doesn't teach that there's four parts to the to the body, right? No, yeah. It doesn't, you know, it's it's not like mind, body, and spirit. Like it doesn't it doesn't teach that you have a heart, you have a soul, you have a mind, and you have a strength, and all of those make up your body in the spiritual realm and all those things. Like like what you said, the the author God is getting to the point that it's everything. Yep. Right. That it's it's not a separate category per se. That each one of these you need to have. The water fill the bucket of each one to 100, but it's it's literally anything that you are needs to love God. So heart and soul, I mean, in Scripture, when it says heart, that's the center of your being. Yep, you know, um, that is like your emotive will, as as Scripture calls it. So, and soul, that is the spiritual aspect of you, mm-hmm. mind, intelligence, yeah, intelligence, the way we think, the way we interpret things way we interact with things that aren't physical and then the things that we do interact with that are physical strength whole body experience yep so the law of god requires um i like they they set up the perfect perpetual perpetual obedience but also that we love god Mm -hmm. like how do you love god with all your heart and with all your soul like how do you like if that's a requirement I mean, like, how do you go about trying to achieve that? Right? (laughs) Yeah, I think, like, for me to love Regent with my heart and my soul, that requires me to know him. Like, for me to spend time with him and to delight in him. And the more I'm with him... Because we're talking before this about how much Regent annoys me, but overall, (laughs) the more I'm with him, like, the more I love him and, like, I love him like from like the depth of my soul. It's not just this um, in my mind. I think he's cute and might oh, as well thanks. live with him for, you know, the rest of my life. But it is like this, ugh, like deep in my heart and my soul. I love him. And that grows more and more the more I get to know him. Yeah. And I think what that looks like and like taking this to the Lord, it, it's not knowing like, 
you know, there's value in theology, there's value in doctrine, like there's value in all these things, but knowing that isn't necessarily what we're talking about. What we're talking about is like knowing the Lord, like reflecting on the gospel, the the fact that he's your creator. I mean, scripture calls him our father. Like who, who what, what, as God is your father, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like when you're thinking on those types of things and you're thinking on the work of Jesus on the cross and what has he done for me? Um, those are the things that are going to draw you closer and actually bring out like a, a love and an intimate, you know, relational love towards the Lord. Yeah. And I, and the question I ask really relates to the next topic we're supposed to be covering, right? Is how do you go about doing that? What does that look like? But I wanted to ask that in that moment, because I just want to show that there's more than just the, the obedience part, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's obedience, which is the actions we take to obtain something that's a standard, but then there's the love, which is sort of intangible, but all consuming. And that requires a lot of things that are not enveloped in this, right? Like spending time with the Lord and being intentional Mm -hmm. with the Lord and seeking the Lord and, and growing and fostering a relationship. Um, It's, it's all consuming both in how we act and also who we are. I think that's what's so misconstrued in our culture is I think People look at Christianity Christianity, and they see it more like, um, like a dictatorship, like this mean God in the sky is making us behave a certain way um, just because he says so. But like obedience to God is so much more than that because it's the overflow of your love for him and your mm-hmm. overflow um, of thankfulness for what he did through Christ on the cross. Like it isn't, it isn't just because he says so, even though that's part of it, it really is this outpouring of your love for God and that result in, in, in obedience to him. Yeah. And I think you're right. There's a major imbalance in our culture for sure to underplay a lot of those aspects, but they definitely like to play up this next aspect. And that is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it's a perverse way of going about it, but our culture now loves to think about the fact that we love others. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, let's just look at the entire pandemic. Let's look at the the words that were used to stir people into action, both good and bad, are this idea of mask up because you need to love other people around you. Get vaccinated because you need to love other people around you. You need to protect them. If you love them, you'll do this, right? They leverage the love of others as a way to get you to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not going to sit here and speak to the right and wrongness of that, but I will say it's definitely been leveraged in our culture in a perverse way. Mm-hmm. because it's been lorded over people and abused in a way that's not doing it because we love God and we want to show the love of God to others and we want to, because we love God, love others, but simply our culture likes to play up the value of you should love one another and therefore you're going to do everything that we think you should do out of love for somebody else. Um, yeah. And then you get all the humanitarian efforts that are created. People spend their whole lives towards, they think it's this beautiful thing to love somebody else and there are beautiful things done through that, like providing water for people and helping the homeless and helping those that are sick and needy and, and these amazing things, but they aren't done to glorify the Lord, Yep. right? They're not, in essence, a good thing. Well, and ultimately, it kind of leads to a misconstrued definition of love, because as we were talking about, you know, loving is knowing the Lord and out of abundance of love for the Lord, you're going to love your neighbor. And what that means is if you're if you know the Lord and you love your neighbor, you're going to be bringing the gospel to him. And so it's not just water. It's not just these good things that like bring to people, but it's 
the gospel. Like yeah. that's ultimately loving. Love devoid of God is not love. Yeah, actually, it's not. And so, um, but our culture would would say that loving one another is the supreme. I mean, whole political parties right yep. rise to presidency based on the the thought of loving and caring for for one another. Um, and then you know to go the other route. There's another sect of, of Christianity that has perversed this by saying, like, to love others as you love yourself means you need to love yourself more, right? Mm-hmm. The more that you love yep. yourself, the more that you will love one another. Stephen Furtick has been quoted as saying this, Elevation Church, just, you know, just shooting shooting it right now, just, <laughs> you know, uh, starting, starting the fire. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's been quoted as saying that, and several prosperity preachers have been known to say that. Um, it's a prominent culture of this idea that the more you're at one with yourself or that you love yourself, the better you'll be able to love others out of a healthy place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so both happen. Yeah. But the reality, I mean, even Jesus says in the passages that we read, like first is to love God yep. with your heart, soul, mind, strength. And then the second one is like it, to love yeah. your neighbor as yourself. And so the only way that we can love our neighbor is through an overflow of our love for God. And the more we love God, the more we're going to love those people around us. Yeah. Because love without God is not love mm-hmm. because yep. love is God. Mm-hmm. Right. And God is love, right? Like they yeah. they don't exist apart from each other. Um, just, yeah. you know, just like truth outside of God is not actually truth. And yeah. I think that we can also see, um, the, maybe, I don't know how to word this, but like in Christianity, I think sometimes we have people that claim to love God, but they have no love in their heart for others. Yeah. Um, and they are some of the most cynical, bitter, hateful people. And that means that something's missing in their love for God. And they're yeah. not truly loving God with their mm-hmm. heart, soul, mind, and strength, or else there would be an overflow of love for others. Yeah. Typically it's because they love what God promotes. They love the thought. Uh, they love theology. They love the doctrine, they love Mm -hmm. the culture of the church. You know, you find it in, you find it in a lot of dying churches, people that would rather um, say they love God and make sure that they sing the right type of music that they want and have the right type of ministries that they want. um, But don't actually love one another or even the people outside of their building. Yeah. All right. Um, We should probably just press on. We're 26 minutes in this last line. I love it. What God forbids should never be done, and what God commands should always be done. The question really is, why did they put this in here? Why mm-hmm. did they add this, right? I can definitely see why they added the first part of this statement, the personal, perfect, perpetual obedience. Clearly, we know why they added this middle section, because that is the scripture. This last part, what God forbids should never be done, and what God commands should always be done, that is falls back in the line with obedience, mm-hmm. right? Sets up the the train, sets up the, not the train, sets up the story to show that man's going to fail at it, fail and fall. But I think there's a little bit more too. I, I think they're protecting the word of God in this. I think they're protecting scripture. I think that they are, and not protecting it because it needs protecting, but I think that they are setting up a defense for the word of God, that it is always true and that it should always be mm-hmm. followed. And because I know, I mean, the men that wrote this, they value mm-hmm. the word of God. I, I think that's part of it. Do you guys think anything else as you read that? Yeah. I mean, I think it just makes it clear that there's not, it's not like a suggestion. Like it, 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 it should be done. Yeah. And I think it shows that like passivity is disobedience, that it isn't just not doing 
bad things, it means that we're also always doing the best thing that God commands. Yeah. And so there is no middle ground. Um, mm-hmm. You're either disobedient or you aren't. Yeah, that's really good. I, that immediately makes me think the, you know, we have the conversation all the time about the Great Commission. And far too often, people will view that they're not in disobedience to the Lord because they're not giving in to particular sins. You know, they're not cheating and stealing and lying. But the idea that you are not following the Great Commission, that you are not making disciples, is just as much disobedience because you're choosing not to do what God says to do. Yeah. You know, which I think is what you're getting at, Hannah, right? Like, disobedience happens on both sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, That's actually a better point than what I made on that on that sentence there. That was, that's my favorite point. I'm gonna steal that one. Okay. Um, I don't think we need to talk too much more about what does it look like in your life? I think uh, love looks like Hannah had some really good points there spending time with the Lord, doing what someone asks you to do, right? Doing things out of respect for somebody. That's what it looks like to believe these things, right? If you believe mm-hmm. that you should love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your whole life is going to look like it. Your actions are going to look like it. Your thoughts are going to look like it. Your Netflix history is going to look like it. Everything. You know, it, yeah. it permeates every decision you make. Um, it permeates the relationships that you have and the relationships you sustain or cut out. Um, it permeates your career and what job you choose to have, even what college you choose to go to. Anything else you'd like to add to that? It's it's all encompassing is pretty much what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything. Good. We have plenty of episodes on how to spend time with God and what it looks like to do that, how to glorify him in that. Last episode, we talked a good little chunk about that. We had a whole series in the summer about how to read the Bible. Feel free to go back in our back catalog and look at any of those. Um, We are going to be heading into uh, a little mini series coming up. Mm -hmm. Next question is, what is the law of God stated in the Ten Commandments? And then they... Go through question 9, question 10, question 11, and question 12 all pertain to the Ten Commandments. So over the next few weeks, we're going to have a mini-series where we sort of group some of these questions together and just have a large discussion over a couple episodes on the Ten Commandments and their importance to us and in Scripture. So we'll break the mold a little bit. We're not necessarily going to answer... breaking the mold. Yeah, we're not necessarily going to answer the question with these three sections like we have been we'll take a little bit of a different approach as we head into it. But otherwise, I think that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you're still with us here at the end, um, let us know if there's any questions that we can answer. Let us know how we can be praying for you and know that we are praying for you. We love you and we'll see you next time.